Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking Newspaper for the week ending Saturday the 22nd of October 2022. This is Chris and your other readers are Norma, Jeremy and Eleanor. The editor this week is also Eleanor. All our members are of Team One. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Burke Hempstead and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442 unless stated otherwise. This week's headlines. St Peter's Church in Berkhampstead welcomes Jewish community at historic interface service. And Check Yourself urges cancer survivor. These and other stories follow. Here is the news. Hello, this is Norma. People from the South Bucks Jewish Community, or SBJC, and St. Peter's Church's congregation came together on Sunday, October the 9th, for an historic interfaith service. The event, which celebrated the Jewish festival of Sukkot, combined with a traditional choral evensong, was part of the church's 800th anniversary celebrations. Rector of St. Peter's, Father Stuart Owen, said, We were delighted to welcome our friends from the South Bucks Jewish community to celebrate with us and to forge new bonds. Rabbi Neil Jaynes of the South Bucks Jewish community, an informal and inclusive Jewish community with members across Buckinghamshire and West Hertfordshire, said that it was very special to be welcomed warmly by St. Peter's Church. Rabbi Jaynes said, This was a unique moment to reflect on the last 800 years of history. Jews were expelled from Berkhamstead in 1242, so this was a real first to show to our communities and visitors throughout the week what we can create together 780 years later. Sukkot is one of the three pilgrim festivals when Jews made the pilgrimage to the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. In the churchyard, the SBJC created and decorated a sukkah, a symbolic hut, commemorating the time God provided shelter for the Israelites when they wandered in the wilderness after the exodus. It's customary to decorate the sukkah with foliage and fruit, signifying this time of harvest. Children in Berkhamsted visited the sukkah throughout the week to learn more about Sukkot. A special service was held with palm branches, willow, myrtle and an etrog, citron, waved as the traditional Jewish readings and psalms were recited in Hebrew. The crowd moved into the church for further readings, prayers and Anglican choral music. The service concluded with Father Owen and Rabbi Jaynes reciting the priestly benediction in Hebrew and English. A woman who was diagnosed with breast cancer last year is encouraging people in decorum to check themselves and know their chests in a bid to catch the disease early. Georgie Maytel, who has now finished active treatment, has become a boobette for the charity Copperfield. The boobettes are a group of young people who have been affected by breast cancer and are ambassadors for the breast cancer awareness charity. Georgie May explained, It's just knowing you're normal. I think that a lot of people are afraid of checking just in case. She said, it's just a nice, safe environment to have a conversation with someone that knows possibly how you feel. Together with artist and decorum arts hub curator, Anna Schofield, Georgie May has organized a full month of fundraising and awareness events for residents. Based at decorum arts hub in Marlowe's shopping center, Georgie May will host art workshops and talks about knowing how your body feels to spot signs of cancer in breast tissue. Georgie May said, I'm just there to raise awareness and encourage them to check themselves. And obviously, if there is anything, ultimately, they need to go and see their GP. But it's just the encouragement to check. The knowing isn't scary. We're not looking for cancer. These sessions aren't just for women. Men are invited along too. Despite breast cancer being rarer in men, 
About 390 men in the UK are diagnosed with breast cancer each year, according to Macmillan Cancer Support. The Decorum Arts Hub Gallery is hosting a month-long fundraiser for the charities Look Good Feel Better and Copper Feel, with free and paid events happening throughout October. At the launch on October 8th, over £300 was raised during the Life Drawing class. For more information and to book for an event, visit annasfunkyart.co.uk. Hello, I'm Eleanor. Decorum Borough Council's new social housing development in Kings Langley is now open with 10 homes ready for residents to move in. The mix of two and three bedroom houses on Coniston Road back onto open fields and have solar panels, an electric vehicle charging point and private parking space. The development was officially opened at a ribbon cutting ceremony in late September by Deputy Mayor Councillor Alan Johnson with residents and representatives from Decorum Borough Council and Bugler Developments in attendance. Councillor Margaret Griffiths portfolio holder for housing services at Decorum Borough Council, said, These new homes are a fantastic example of how we continue to build for the future, as this new development will provide many families with safe and secure homes. She added, The energy efficiency measures that have been included will also help keep bills down to support tenants with the increased cost of living. The houses are first, the first new, new council homes to be built in Kings Langley since the early 1980s. Councillor Alan Anderson said the Decorum Borough Council will continue to build new homes to support those in housing need. He says that the authority has plans in place to deliver 350 new homes between 2020 and 2025. Andy Bugler, Bugler Group CEO said the 10 new affordable homes are the latest in a series of completed projects for Decorum Borough Council. Together we have a strong partnership and delivering, are delivering affordable homes of a high standard for the Decorum-based community. Hemel Hempstead Travel Lodge has had its rooms and public areas transformed into what the group calls a new Budget Luxe Premium Look and Feel Design. The Woolsey Road Hotel has had an upgrade of its 53 rooms and reception areas after it was selected as one of Travel Lodge's first to be refurbished. Hemel Hempstead Travel Lodge's hotel manager, Dennis McCarthy, said, My team and I are delighted that our hotel is one of the first Travel Lodges to be upgraded to the new Budget Luxe Premium Look and Feel Design. The rooms have new beds with USB charging points and reading lights, as well as space for working and relaxing. Other features of the rooms include blackout curtains and a freeview TV. The new reception area has been designed with LED lighting, bench seating and wooden style flooring. What started as a bottling company born out of the coronavirus lockdown has turned into an award-winning luxury cocktail brand, now ready to take its products on the road with mobile trailers and pop-up bars. Drinky was started by King's Langley's Alex Legrette and university friend Dan Twine during the 2020s pand pandemic lockdown. The company was named 2022's Best Luxury Cocktail, in the Luxuria Lifestyle magazine awards last month. Reflecting on the recent win, Alex said, It's great to have the recognition. I'm chuffed. He added, I'm quite surprised to get it, but it's something we feel we deserve. With its office in Berkhamsted and warehouse in Hemel Hempstead, the business may be based in decorum, but has its sights set on getting into supermarkets across the country. Thanks to the award, Drinky has been introduced to an international market, which the co-founders hope will help them to get the big chain stores deals. The new pop-up cocktail bar service 
will serve the South East from November in a move to bring the party to whoever would like one, from corporate events and product launches to birthday parties, weddings and celebrations. Every drinky product is vegan and packaged in lightweight recyclable pouches, which can be recycled at all major Tesco food stores. The partners have other businesses which complement Drinky well, and their expertise in high-end events and cocktail service helps them in all aspects of their newest venture. To inquire about booking a Drinky luxury mobile trailer and pop-up cocktail bar, email kevin at drinky.me. Four semi-detached houses could be built in a field in Bourne End, Hemel Hempstead, after plans were submitted to Decorum Borough Council. The application from DLA Town Planning, submitted this month, explains that four three-bedroom properties, along with 12 parking spaces and landscaping, is proposed on the site on land next to Kingsway, London Road. The site, which is currently covered in trees and vegetation, is south of the River Bourbourne and has Bourne End Day Nursery to the east, while a petrol station lies to the west. The properties would go on the market and were not said to be affordable housing according to the plans. More information about the plans can be found on Decorum Borough Council planning portal at planning.decorum.gov.uk slash public access slash and then by searching for reference 22 slash 03036 slash FUL. Local Liberal Democrats have selected Berkhamsted entrepreneur and environmental campaigner Victoria Collins to be their prospective parliamentary candidate for South West Hertfordshire. Victoria Collins said that the people of South West Hertfordshire deserve better. She believes that it is time the British people were given their say with the general election, saying the Conservative government is in free fall and Liz Truss is dragging down our economy with it. The decorum-based candidate says she also hopes to be the first Liberal Democrat MP of East and South East Asian descent. Victoria said, bringing my economic, environmental and entrepreneurial background together, I'm here to be an active MP, listening to key issues, taking action and advocating for our local communities. Her priorities include tackling the cost of living crisis to help struggling families and businesses, urgent action to protect local rivers from sewage and strong action to support the NHS. She has worked for the European Parliament and is tech entrepreneur, but Victoria now advises international firms on sustainable change. Outside of her political work, Victoria volunteers for several decorum organisations, including Berkhamsted and Tring Welcome Ukrainians, Berkhamsted Citizens and Transition Town Initiatives to support environmental projects. She grew up helping her mother on the shop floor and followed her father's work on sustainable social housing projects. Conservative Gahan Mohindra is currently the MP for South West Hertfordshire after winning the seat in the 2019 general election. Obviously, since this article was written, Liz Truss has resigned. A woman from Leverstock Green joined in helping to wrap a massive scarf around the Royal Albert Hall six times on October the 14th in the hope of raising awareness about Lewy body dementia, a disease her late father died of. Leanne Visage's father, Rex Stubbings, was the architect behind some of, behind some of Hemel's iconic buildings like the Hillfield Road car park and died from Lewy body dementia at the age of 92. Rex was diagnosed with the form of dementia aged 86 after two years of Leanne pushing for a diagnosis. She thanked the wonderful team at Firmville Surgery for supporting her family 
whose current building was designed by her father in the 1980s. He retired as an architect at 85, after he started to forget names and figures during his work. The degenerative re disease meant that Rex began to lose his vision and sense of smell. He also started to lean to one side when walking as his dementia progressed. Leanne said, we grieved for him long before he passed as the disease took hold. Leanne and her family nursed her father at home until his death last year. She has called for more funding for research into Louis body dementia and to support Parkinson's West Hearts, who became the family's exercise providers to help Rex maintain his mobility. Leanne said, the law must change to support those who are clearly dying so that they do not suffer at the end of life, as my dad did, with 11 days of being unable to swallow and relief medication only on administered in the last few hours. She added, we do not allow animals to suffer so, and yet humans must suffer terribly. Dignity should never be lost. A stranger, Leone, found Leanne online and offered to knit a scarf in the Louis Body Society's colours to make up the giant creation. Leanne explained, this scarf is extra special as I appealed for a knitter to help me and a stranger came forwards and knitted this for no charge as she cares for those with dementia herself. Lily is officially the most popular name for baby girls born in decorum. Figures from the Office for National Statistics show 16 newborns were given the name Lily last year, in line with the previous year's top-ranked Amelia. George and Oliver topped the chart for boys' names in 2021, having been given to 17 babies each. Across England and Wales, Noah became the most popular boy's name last year, knocking Oliver down to second place following an eight-year reign. George moved down to the third most popular boy's name in 2021, but remained the most popular name associated with the royal family for babies born across the two nations last year. Olivia remained the top pick for baby girls in the sixth year in a row, ahead of Amelia and Isla. The ONS data also shows that Henry replaced Jack in the top ten names for boys, while Freya, Florence and Willow replaced Isabella, Rosie and Sophia for girls. New entries to the top 100 names nationally included Lara, Beatrice and Sarah for girls, and Blake, Brody, Kai, Rupert, Tobias and Nathan for boys. It's the first time Jack has not been in the top 10 since the annual series began in 1996. Rupert and Brody were in the top 100 names for the first time. Elijah and Arlo only appeared in the top 10 boys' names for mothers under 25, while more traditional names such as Alexander and Thomas were popular among with those over 35. Willow, Isabella, Harper and Delilah were girls' names only seen in the top 10 amongst mothers under 25, while Charlotte, Grace, Sophie and Sophia were more likely for mothers over 35. James Tucker of the ONS said, While Noah and Olivia are enjoying their places at the top, some names could be in danger of falling out of favour altogether. Leslie has had relatively little popularity in recent years, with fewer than seven boys named that each year since 2018. Other names such as Clifford, Nigel and Norman have not fared much better, with ten or fewer boys being so named. Girls' names such as Glenda and Kerry, that were more common before, are also becoming endangered, and we have seen fewer than five girls nationally being named each year since 2018. Berkhamsted's historic Rectory Lane Cemetery is celebrating its 180th anniversary this month. Back in 1842, the cemetery, just off Berkhamsted's High Street, 
was created as an overflow graveyard for St. Peter's Church on a former garden donated to the town by Countess of Bridgewater, Charlotte Catherine Anne Egerton. Today, the restored cemetery is a contemporary garden of commemoration and has been recognized with multiple accolades, including Landscape Institute's Excellence in Heritage and Culture and Excellence in Community Engagement Awards. <coughs> Ranger Kate Campbell says that the cemetery offers a glimpse into Victorian Berkhamsted. She explained, you can trace the history of notable families and discover connections with local landmarks. Kate added, from butlers and governesses to leaders in industry and horticulture, the cemetery contains stories from all walks of life. People who visit the grounds can search the cemetery's burials database at rectorylanecemetery.org.uk. Rectory Lane Cemetery's project manager, Dr. James Moyer, said, the fact that the cemetery is here today, celebrating its 180th anniversary, is because of a team of incredible volunteers and professionals who have restored and revitalized this place. Dr. Moyer invited residents to get involved in helping maintain the cemetery, saying, there are so many ways that the community can keep contributing, including joining our weekly work parties or becoming a grave gardener. The cemetery also hosts sessions for local primary schools, bringing local history to life and looking at wildlife. More Ukrainian refugee households have faced homelessness in decorum as numbers jump across England. Since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, refugees from the war have been invited to stay in the UK under the Ukrainian Sponsorship and Family Schemes. The former sets up refugees with hosts in the UK for an initial six months who receive support from their local council and a stipend of £350. As the cost of living crisis starts to bite and the initial hosting period comes to an end, it is feared that many more refugees could become homeless nationally. New figures from Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities show across both schemes 15 refugee households had been made homeless or put at risk of homelessness in decorum as of September the 23rd, while 13 had four weeks prior. Hosts sign on for an initial six months and while the government says it will continue to provide support for an additional six months, several charities have said they're worried people might choose not to, given the rising cost of food and fuel. Stan Benes, a trustee for Opora, a charity which helps Ukrainians settling in the UK, said that government support has too often fallen short and that charities and other organisations have been left to fill the gaps. He said the cost of living crisis was a factor, but that the lead reason for hosting arrangements breaking down was the health of the relationship between guests and hosts, adding that many hosts did not have sufficient guidance or support when signing up to the scheme. A spokesman for the DLUHC said, We are grateful to the British public for opening up their communities to the people of Ukraine and the generosity they've shown. The majority of sponsors want to continue hosting for longer than six months, whereas guests do move on. They have another, uh, a number of op options, including to enter private rental or find a new host to sponsor them. Councils have a duty to ensure families are not left without a roof over their heads, they added. This week in history, October the 19th, 1914, the First Battle of Ypres began. On this day last year, Tesco announced it would be launching its first checkout-free high street store where shoppers can pick up their groceries and leave without the need for a till. October the 20th, 1973, the Sydney Opera House was opened by the Queen. October the 21st, 1966, 
disaster struck the small Welsh mining village of Aberfan when a colliery slag tip slip slid down the side of a hill and engulfed a row of houses, a farm and a school. Of the 144 people who died, 116 were children. On this day last year, a conservation charity launched an £8 million public appeal to buy an estate which would become a Red Squirrel superhighway. October the 22nd, 1974, a bomb exploded in Brooks Club in London, near a restaurant where opposition leader of, of the time, Edward Heath, was dining. On this day last year, more disadvantaged pupils and children from Afghanistan received laptops and tablets as part of a £126 million funding package. October 23, 1942, the Second Battle of El Alamein began with a thousand tanks aimed on Italian and German troops. And October 24, 1948, Franz Lehár, Hungarian composer of operettas including The Merry Widow, died in Vienna, aged 78. A recent study analysed data on UK's number of green spaces, outdoor trails, number of sport complexes and water sport adventures. The UK's most active city has been named as Southampton, with a total of 49 adventurous activities and attractions, equating to 19.9 per 100,000 people. The port city sits on the south coast of the country, offering lots of chances for people to immerse themselves in water sports and other activities. It is closely followed by Norwich, which is ranked second on the list. Home to the Broads National Park, which offers a range of activities from boating to arts and crafts, Norwich Brooks boasts 16 walking trails and 18 parks. These activities contribute to the total of 40 attractions in the city, equating to 18.76 per 100,000 people. Rounding up the top three most active cities in the UK is Ipswich, with 28 varying activities, including ski and snowboard centre. If you enjoy peaceful settings and being close to nature, York is the place to visit. Labelled the best UK city for parks, the Minster City offers 9.76 parks per 100,000 people. While Norwich has a higher number of parks than York, the city's larger population means 18 parks equate to 8.44 for every 100,000 people there. Luton offers the least number of parks in the UK, with the city only having 1.16 parks per 100,000 people, followed by Slough, which offers just 1.22 parks per 100,000 people. Slough has only two parks in the whole city. As a result, the city's relatively small population doesn't get access to a great deal of open park space. Blackpool lands in last place, with a minuscule 1.25 parks per 100,000 people the resort more commonly known for Pleasure Beach Amusement Park and Pier, rather than greenery. Brighton takes top spot as the most popular city for adventure sports, offering 2.07 adventure sports per 100,000 people. Well known for its beach and pier, its wide range of activities and places to explore keeps tourists entertained and keen to return each year. The location is in second place for having the most adventure sports is Southampton at the heart of ski and snowboarding attractions. Southampton has much to offer with a wide variety of activities offering 1.62 adventure sports attractions per 100,000 people. With four water sports attractions including Mountbatten Water Sports and Activity Centre, Plymouth boasts 1.54 adventure sports per 100,000 people. This is confirmed by Black's Active City Index. 
Can you speak anything at all in another tongue? If not, you may be encouraging your children to have negative attitudes to learning languages. In Britain, we are not notorious for being bad at languages. Being unable to communicate with the locals on European holidays can narrow your experience of a new culture, and it can leave you really hamstrung when your car breaks down on a remote country road. Sadly, language learning is in free fall. The combined total number of pupils taking modern languages at GCSE last year was almost half that in 2001. But a recent study by academics at Cambridge University revealed that parents' beliefs about languages had almost twice as much influence than those of their teachers. In other words, children are more willing to learn languages at GCSE and A-level if their parents have positive attitudes to language learning. So, with only 38% of Britons able to speak a second language, how can we encourage our children and other adults in our household to learn a second language? And which language should you choose? French, Spanish and German have historically been the most popular language is to learn in the UK. But languages like Polish, Portuguese and Russian are also great choices, as well as non-European languages such as Mandarin or Arabic. Choose a language that your family is excited about and stick with it. Daily phrases. The best way to learn a language is to embed it into your daily life. Start by identifying some phrases that you use every day, such as, Good morning, I need the toilet. What's for dinner? Or, I'm sorry. And get into the habit of saying these in your chosen language whenever you can. You could make it a family tradition to find a new phrase each week to learn and then see how many times you can use it. You can download blank language posters and just write in each phrase for your chosen language. Using numbers, telling the time and using the days of the week are also easy ways of getting daily language practice in. Read familiar stories. Reading fairy tales and other familiar stories in your chosen language is a brilliant way to help children become more fluent in a second language. There are loads of videos on YouTube with stories in different languages that you can introduce children to. See if they can start identifying key vocabulary based on their knowledge of the story and even read along with repeated phrases. Sing songs. Singing songs is a really fun way to embed language learning. Start with familiar songs sung in your chosen language, such as nursery rhymes. You could also play children translated Disney songs or other film soundtracks, since most are translated into lots of different languages. Starting this way means children can relate their experience of the song to another language and spot keywords and word patterns. Why not listen to The Lion King in Russian on the school run? Or let it go in Spanish as you cook dinner? Watch films. Similarly, watching your children's favourite film either in another language or with subtitles on means they can absorb some of the language whilst not losing the plot, so to speak. Doing this a few times a week and challenging children to find a few new words each time can really help increase their vocabulary as well as making the language more real. Play games. Just like anything else, language games are a great way of helping children embed skills without them realising they're learning. The internet is awash with games for language learning, but you can also adapt familiar games such as Simon Says. Start by doing just the Simon says parts in your chosen language, then gradually add some other keywords. This is a brilliant way of introducing vocabulary for body parts and instructions, such as jump, clap or turn around. Similarly, what's the time, Mr Wolf, is fantastic for helping children learn to tell the time in a second language. More importantly, model learning the language yourself. 
Show children how to find out translations for everyday words or phrases you use and spend time learning about the countries your chosen language is spoken in. Get into the habit of replacing phrases from English into your second language regularly and showing children how to flow from one language to another. If you have fun with it, your children will be enthusiastic too and the whole family will be chatting away in a second language before you know it. Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on and any more news. Hertfordshire County Council kicks off its popular slipper swap events running in libraries across the county over the next two months, giving residents the chance to swap their old tired slippers for new non-slip ones to help prevent slips, trips and falls amongst older people. The first slipper swap event took place at Royston Library on Tuesday the 4th of October where local residents flocked to swap their old slippers for new ones. But it wasn't just an opportunity to bag a new pair of slippers. Volunteers from Citizens Advice were on hand with advice on how to manage the cost of living. People could discuss the support they might need to remain independent at home from an occupational therapist from Hertfordshire County Council. And they could also seek advice from an NHS care navigator. Future slipper swap events take place at Welling Garden City Library, Friday the 28th of October, Hartford Library, Thursday the 10th of November, North Watford Library, Wednesday the 16th of November, Hitchin Library, Tuesday the 29th of November, Tring Library, Tuesday the 6th of December, and Oxy Library, South Oxy, Thursday the 15th of December. For more information visit hertfordshire.gov.uk slash here for you. There is a daughter's store minibus timetable. To book a place please call 212888. In Hemel Hempstead on the 28th of October the bus goes to Morrison's on the 11th of November to Sainsbury's and the 25th of November to Morrison's again. In Berkhamstead, there are buses to Waitrose on the 2nd of November, the 16th of November and the 30th of November. In Tring, buses will run to Tesco's on the 27th of October the 10th and the 24th of November. In Bovingdon, buses will run to Sainsbury's on the 31st of October and the 14th and 28th of November. And from King's Langley, buses will go to Sainsbury's on the 24th of October, the 7th and the 21st of November. A message from Barclays Bank. Sharing your one-time passcode can lead to card fraud. Fraudsters are calling customers, pretending to be Barclays or a trusted third party, and claiming that, to identify the customer, they need a one-time passcode. They're asking for this passcode because they're using stolen card details to make a card transaction online. If you share your passcode in this situation, you could end up unknowingly helping a, com a criminal commit fraud. We'll never contact you unexpectedly and ask for your one-time passcode. Need help and don't know where to turn? Hearts Help are here to listen and help you find the support, advice and information you need to get the most out of life. Their network of community organisations can help you to make positive changes to your life and feel more in control. Worry and stress can make you feel unwell, so take the first step towards getting back on track by calling Hearts Help on telephone number 0300 123 4044 or by email at info 
at heartshelp.net. Telephone between 8am and 6pm Monday to Friday. Calls are charged at the local rate and there's an answer phone outside of these hours. Your call is confidential and staff will return it as soon as possible. A message from Neighbourhood Watch. We have been alerted by our fraud experts that older residents are being targeted by a new variation of the telephone scam where the caller claims to be the police or your bank. Previously, this scam involved people calling you and claiming to be from the police or from your bank. They would say that there is a problem related to your bank and that you need to withdraw your money from your bank account and give it to a courier who will come to your house to collect it. Sometimes people were asked to give their bank card to a courier as well. In the new variation, the people claiming to be the police or your bank will ask you to withdraw your money and post it to them at an address that they give you during the phone call. People living independently and people living in care homes have been targeted by this fraud. Please remember, the police or your bank would never call you to ask you to withdraw money from your account. You would never be asked by police or your bank to give your money to a courier or to send money in the post. Now the obituaries. Richard Stephen Driver, known as Dick, aged 78 years. Margaret Hales, known as Peggy, aged 98 years. Louis Moore, aged 93. Susan Rance, aged 69. Cicely Smith, aged 102. May they all rest in peace. Watford Palace Theatre Company present Beauty and the Beast by Andrew Pollard. Bienvenue à Paris, where beauty, art and love reign supreme and play host to our remixed tale of Beauty and the Beast. A theatre full of colourful characters are vying to be the next big act when up-and-coming singer Bo falls foul to a dastardly magician's plot and is transformed into a hideous beast. Only true love can save him, but will his charm offensive work its magic on the kind and beautiful Belle before time and her patience runs out? Or will love prevail before the last rose petal falls and seals their fate forever? Tickets from £11. Wheelchair and companion seats are available for each performance. For more information and to book, please call the box office on 01923... Two two five six seven one, with lines open Monday to Friday between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. The pantomime runs from the 3rd to the 31st of December 2022, with an audio-described performance on Friday the 30th of December 2022 at 5 p.m., with accompanying touch tour at 4 p.m. During our audio-described performances, a live verbal commentary is provided to blind or partially sighted audience members via an infrared in-ear headset system. The commentary explains and describes the visual aspects of the performance, such as the set, costumes and gestures. Vocal eyes provide the audio description for our audio-described performances. Headsets can be collected from the box office with a deposit of £5. What else is on? The comedian Rob Newman will perform at the Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, on the 21st of October, fresh from his BBC Radio 4 series, Rob Newman On Air. The award-winning comedian's new show is a stand-up epic that goes from cave paintings to car-free cities to ask, who are we? Visit oldtownhall.co.uk to book. In the theatre, the Shawshank Redemption is being performed at Milton Keynes Theatre until the 22nd of October. 
The play examines desperation, injustice, friendship and hope behind the claustrophobic bars of a maximum security facility. Visit atgtickets.com slash Milton Keynes to book. And for some family fun, Boo at the Zoo, Whipsnade Zoo, October the 22nd to the 30th. Families are promised hairy, but not too scary, Halloween fun aplenty, including a spooky magic show, a spooky disco, creepy crafts, petrifying pumpkins and terrifying talks. Visit zsl.org for more information. On Sunday the 30th of October 2022, the Coram Borough Council will be holding a hugely popular Halloween party in Hemel Hempstead Old Town in partnership with Community Action Decorum. For information, contact communityactiondecorum.org slash and Hemel Old Town Market and facebook.com slash Hemel Old Town Market slash. Join us for some fiendishly good fun for all the family, including fairground rides, fancy dress competitions, face painting and entertainment from Radio Decorum. A range of tempting food and drink stalls will be available, together with a wide range variety of arts, crafts and well-being stalls to explore, selling jewellery, clothing, candles and lots more. Hugh Fernley Whittingstall wants everyone to know we've been swindled. And the culprit? Sugar. We've been conned into eating more sugar than we even have a genuine appetite for, he says, good-natured outrage bubbling from his words. Of course a lot of us have a sweet tooth. I'd say I have a really sweet tooth. But what I've found is even my sweet tooth is completely satisfied by much less sugar than conventional recipes and certainly industrially produced biscuits, cakes, sweets and puddings tend to include... We definitely need a sugar rethink. Fernie Whittingstall's River Cottage has been re-evaluating its relationship with sugar for a few years now. We started taking some of the sugar out of our bakes and treats and desserts several years ago, and nobody even noticed. If anything, we were getting more feedback saying, God, that's so delicious, he says. Recipes in his new book, River Cottage Good Comfort, might have a less tooth-rotting amount of sugar in them, but you won't necessarily miss anything. Dialing down the sugar and the refined ingredients is part of it, but dialing up the whole ingredients is what the book's more about, Fernie Whittingstall adds. And don't worry, the desserts are still sweet. After all, this is the person who admits to whipping up boxes of chocolates as a child. I used to make coffee and peppermint creams and dip them in chocolate and truffles and things like that, says Fernie Whittingstall. But the sweetness is adjusted and other ingredients are added, such as parsnips or carrots into cakes, or a date syrup instead of a knee-trembling amount of fudgy toffee. This is all part of the 57-year-old chef and food writer's mission to get us eating a bit more healthily, and that doesn't mean you have to miss out on your favourite stodgy comfort foods. We shouldn't be guilt-tripping people into eating healthy food. We should be tempting people into healthy food, he says. After a strange few years, it made sense for Fernley Whittingstall to dedicate his latest book to comforting, nostalgic recipes. During lockdown, a lot of people began reaching back to those favourite family recipes, those reliable cockle warmers, the things that made us feel good and made us feel that family is close by, he reflects. Enjoying something which is not only we love to eat, but has some kind of resonance and a little bit of emotional goodness to it. For him, the challenge was being able to healthify classic comfort dishes, like spag bol, shepherd's pie or crumble, without compromising on the taste. And some dishes took a bit more testing than others. River Cottage Good Comfort by Hernley, Hugh Fernley Whittingstall 
is published by Bloomsbury, priced £27. Photography by Simon Wheeler and available now. Blaise Tapp writes, For many parents, mealtimes are a perennial struggle, one with usually only one winner. And guess what? Invariably, that person isn't old enough to vote, never mind pay for the big shop. Getting grub that isn't beige or doesn't contain six days' worth of calories down the little cherub's cake holes can be as difficult as remembering who is the current Chancellor of the Exchequer. In our house, most things green or slimy that find their way onto a dinner plate are often met with the same contempt afforded to those rotters who let their dogs do their business outside your front door and pretend not to see it. Over the years, we've tried every trick in the book, hiding spinach under giant mounds of mash or trying to convince a cynical seven-year-old that carrots really will help him see in the dark. Sadly, neither of our two have any idea who Popeye is, meaning that classic 20th century spinach ruse is wasted on them. Occasionally, they take one for the team and will bolt down a minuscule piece of spring cabbage soaked in gravy while complaining that they've been poisoned, their sole motivation being the tub of chocolate ice cream in the freezer. There are some vegetables which won't ever pass their lips. I'm pretty certain that they'll still be hiding mushrooms and courgettes in plant pots when they are drawing their pension. So why bother? I, for one have seen those pale, bloated types whose idea of nutrition is an extra pot of mushy peas with their chippy tea, and I fear for their bowels. Nobody wants that for their kids. But what can we do when our offspring screams blue murder every time they're presented with a spoonful of smashed swede with their Sunday roast? Well... Researchers at Loughborough University are urging parents to be even sneakier if we want to get some more natural goodness into our youngsters. They suggest grating carrots into cereal or adding spinach to a breakfast smoothie and say there is absolutely no reason why foods such as peppers and cucumbers should not be included in breakfasts. Personally speaking, there's two living and breathing reasons why vegetables won't ever be served for the first meal of the day in our house, although strawberries, bananas and blueberries are often accompaniments for porridge, Weetabix and occasionally Cocoa Pops here. Just one in five UK children eat the recommended five fruit and veg a day, while a third of school children under 10 eat fewer than one portion of vegetables per day. But can I say, hand on heart, that neither myself nor the kids regularly consume our five a day. Sometimes we come close, and we usually have more than one portion every 24 hours, but we could do better. Let's be honest, though. Much of the nation could improve its diet, especially if obesity statistics are anything to go by. Such is the level of chaos within the government right now, we have no idea whether they have any plans to ban multi-pie deals for unhealthy foods. But more needs to be done to help families eat in a healthier way. The real problem with this is that an increasing number of parents are fretting about where their next meal is coming from, never mind worrying about the saturated fat content of what they are serving up. Helping those who genuinely struggle to provide a balanced, healthy meal to their loved ones must be the priority of any government during this current economic crisis. This wouldn't be the action of a nanny state, but a group of senior politicians doing the right thing. However, making mealtimes even more difficult by suggesting to the kids that they have tomatoes and avocado rather than jam and crumpets is going to end only one way. The problem with most parents is that we will do anything for an easy life. And now football. Hemel Hempstead Town saw their five-match unbeaten run end at home to struggling Chessent on Saturday as their visitors secured only their second win of the National League South season. 
With Chessent on a 10-game losing streak, it looked odds-on that it would be a home win, but football isn't like that. And despite much huffing and puffing, Helmholtz just couldn't break down the Amber's resistance and were dealt the most inevitable soccer punch when the visitors took a late lead and despite some late pressure, they held on to take the points. With ten minutes left, they forced a corner that was met at the back post by a Tudor's defender who could only head it back across the face of the goal where Chris Harris just got in front of ex-Tudor Rowan Lieberd as he headed home to seal the points. Berkhamsted, meanwhile, ran out 2-1 winners at Harlow Town in the SPL, Adam Watkins and Ailey Bangura with the goals. And now basketball. Hemel Storm got their NBL Division 1 campaign off to a flyer with two wins on the opening weekend of fixtures. Storm faced Bradford Dragons and London Lions too and made sure they did not disappoint with two emphatic victories against two tough teams. Saturday's game saw Storm host the Dragons with certainly, which certainly entertained the Storm faithful. Storm showed great team basketball, moving the ball very well to beat the Dragons' defence, also managing to keep star man Jordan Whelan at bay in the first half, until a lapse in concentration saw the Dragons find a way to pull the lead into single digits. However, Storm thrived off the crowd as they managed to regain control and score some excellent baskets. Seth Seth Swalve enjoyed shooting from the three-point line as he made an outstanding seven from nine, achieving 30 points and finishing as the top scorer. Overall, Storm's hard work saw them win 106-86. to Sunday's game saw Storm face London Lions 2 in a game where both teams came into it on the opposite end of the spectrum. However, it was Lions who controlled the first quarter using their energy to reduce the amount of time the Storm players had and score the chances they had been given. However, from the second quarter onwards, Storm moved up a gear, with dominance shown on both ends of the court. A.M. Ray especially had a fine day in terms of shooting, scoring 33 points and claiming 13 rebounds. Once Storm had improved with this scoring run, they did not look back, scoring freely around the three-point line and defending their own basket well. They dominated the game, and in the end, with Storm cruising 115-81 to 81 winners. It was a great weekend for Storm, who go to a 2-0 record in the league standings. Some impressive moments shown by Storm. It's promising for the Storm fans to see, and they are making a statement to other teams in the league that they are the ones to watch for this season. Storm are next at home to Loughborough Riders on NBL Division 1 this Saturday with a 7pm tip. Tickets are available at www.stormbasketball.net. Taking care of our well-being is a lifelong endeavour for both our bodies and our minds and it won't look the same for everyone. But if mental health professionals could share just one nugget of wisdom with us all, what would it be? Saying no does not make you selfish. For some of us, saying no can be really hard. It might fill us with feelings of guilt or even thoughts about being selfish. But the reality is there's nothing selfish about saying no, says Gemma Campbell of Couth of work.couth.com. Someone who's able to say no perhaps has healthier boundaries than someone who agrees to do things they don't want to do. Having healthier boundaries isn't about refusing to help out. It's about working out our personal limits and figuring out what we're okay with. Over time, this means we're able to think about our own needs as well as the needs of others. Knowing men do seek help. The one thing I wish everyone knew is that men do seek help. 
By perpetuating the stereotype that men don't talk, we end up reinforcing that idea, says Dr. Zach Seidler, Director of Mental Health Training at Movember, uk.november.com. We need to stop making assumptions and start asking men what they need because we know millions of men are reaching out for support. We keep telling men to open up, but we have to be ready to listen to what they have to say. You can't make someone share before they're ready, but there are a few things you can do to get the conversation going. Keep things low-key, judgment-free, and ask open-ended questions. It can feel like two steps forward, one step back, but don't let this discourage you. Keep showing up for them. It's normal for therapy to feel hard. It's natural when considering starting therapy to feel excited and anxious at the same time, even if it's something that's been on your mind for a long time, says senior therapist Sally Baker from workingonthebody.com. It's crucial to find a therapist you feel you will be comfortable working with. Request an introductory chat so you can find out more about their experience and how they work. Remember, having to go into forensic detail about your life isn't always necessary anymore to achieve powerful therapeutic results. This is called content-free therapy. If this is what you need, it's available for you. And continuing on with this feature, everyone is worth of everyone is worthy of support and self-care. Many of us experience that horrible sensation where we view ourselves as not worthy. These kinds of feelings have increased post the pandemic. Yet it's important to remember that each of us suffers in some way, says UKCP psychotherapist Dwight Turner from psychotherapy.org.uk. Having these thoughts doesn't mean we are broken, and sitting with a counsellor or psychotherapist can be the perfect route towards recognising we deserve that promotion, the applause, or that person we are having dinner with. Seeing a psychotherapist or counsellor should be an essential part of all our mental health self-care. And sleep really does have a massive impact. When we sleep, our brains go through a host of processes which help regulate our physical and mental health, says Dr. Lindsay Browning, psychologist, neuroscientist, and sleep expert for And So To Bed at andsotobed.co.uk. During sleep, we regulate our hormone production, including hormones that control happiness, such as dopamine. If we don't get enough sleep, we can have an imbalance in hormones which can impact our mood and physical health. We also process difficult situations we're facing in our lives through our dreaming REM sleep. So when we don't get enough, our brains don't have the time and opportunity to do this, and we are more likely to be depressed and anxious. This is added to the fact that without enough sleep, we may feel too tired to get things done during the day and start to feel sad and anxious about that too. Physical activity really is medicine for the mind. Being active can improve your physical well-being, but it can also help you maintain a healthy mind. People who e exercise regularly have better mental health and emotional well-being and lower rates of mental ill health, says Gossia Bowling, psychotherapist and national lead for emotional well-being at Nuffield Health, at nuffithealth.com. Exercise can help relieve feelings of stress by releasing anxiety-reducing chemicals and giving you a mood-lifting dopamine spike. Remember, the greatest gains are often seen in those who go from doing nothing to doing something. You don't have to be an athlete. Everything you do counts. Even a short burst of five to ten minutes of brisk walking can increase your mental alertness and lift your mood. We're coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this week are 7.40am and 5.52am. PM. For those with access to the internet, 
Our news is uploaded to our website soon after recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open Talking Newspaper Skill. Alexa will ask you which broadcast you want to listen to. When prompted, reply, play the Decorum Talking Newspaper. This part can be tricky. If Alexa offers the wrong station, just say no and then try again. For those who are listening to this week's news via a memory stick, after the music, there is the amenities section that gives details of various groups and the contact details of organisations. Please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up firmly. Turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers and Martin, your technician for this week. Goodbye. Goodbye.